earlier where I said about ego. Yeah. So if, if we remove ego out of the picture, then we know that we, we were there at the journey of the company for a specific time. And that once our time perhaps is up, we have to release that time to somebody else mm. that can take that vehicle uh, forward as and well. Propel it to another level. Propel it to another yeah. level. Because that was where we were meant to be at that time. We were meant mm. to give birth to it, but then let it go. Hello everyone, I'm Rina, and this is Lessons from the Post-Exit Entrepreneurs Podcast. In the very first episode, I'm honoured to be joined by Raymond Chow. He is a serial entrepreneur who has sold two of his businesses. He was the CEO of Infront Consulting Group and is the Chief Growth Officer of Owners Circus Asia, as well as the past president of the Entrepreneurs Organisation, also known as EO, in Malaysia. In this episode, he shares with us his personal insights and lessons on before, during and after selling his businesses. He touched on topics like figuring out the valuation and knowing the right buyer for your company and his experience switching from being the CEO to the employee of the new owner. There is a lot of valuable information that will prepare you if you are looking to sell your business and also different perspectives that will challenge you to think differently. Thank you very much for making time to speak with me today, Ray. Um, in the time that I've known you, I've been truly inspired and uh, personally benefited from your generous sharing, from your wealth of experience and your infectious drive and passion. <laughs> wow. I've never, never had somebody call me infectious before, so, but, so thank you. Yeah, I think it rubs off people, you know. <laughs> Do you remember the first time we met? Uh, can't really remember exactly, but I I guess it was in some training, right? Yeah, it was actually during COVID over Zoom. Oh, that was okay. the first time I met you. Yeah, I'm not sure if you remember because you were one of the trainers. Okay, okay. Yeah. So um so Ray for our listeners who who may not be aware um he was the previous president of um entrepreneurs organization in uh, Malaysia and he also served as uh, one of our trainers so I met you over Zoom and uh I I remember I was just struck by your dynamism and I can feel your energy permeating through the screen yeah so <laughs> Awesome. And, you know, during COVID, it was such like, you know, a, a, a time when things are a bit more solemn, you know, people are feeling a bit more down. And, and just to see this face and see your infectious, you know, energy coming through, it was very inspiring. Yeah. So I had a very positive first time experience of meeting you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, 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 I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a belief of mine that uh, energy is very important. Mm. Right. everything starts from energy yeah uh, everything foundation is everything is energy right so mm. whatever energy that we want uh, to receive first must come from the energy that we give yeah That's always yeah a belief of mine yeah totally agree with that okay so let's just start off with our um, interview today um, could you First of all, you know, give us a very short introduction on the two businesses that you have started and you sold. Sure. Um, the first business was kind of like a business that offered uh, copywriting services and uh, business plan generation. Uh, 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, we basically help companies to uh, create business plans. Uh, and along the way, because we were doing so much of that, we found that uh, a lot of these businesses also needed copywriting services. This was back in uh, 2008. Wow, okay. Uh, yeah, so it was quite a, quite a while ago. Mm. Uh, and the second business was a, a it was tech company called Infront Consulting. Yeah. And that was started actually even earlier than that. So I started that company in 2003. Mm. And I sold it uh, in 2021, uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Right, right. And how about the copywriting business? When was that sold? I sold that in 2010, two years after I started it. Wow. How did that happen? It's only two years after. Yeah, so uh, basically, I, I realized after two years of the business that uh, it was something that I couldn't grow any further. Mm. It was something that uh, I knew there was a demand for. But I think from lack of, experience on the copywriting side i'm not a mm. i'm not a uh advertising person in nature you know not, mm. not like you you know mm. uh, so it was something that i knew that it was good for me to start but I, they, pretty much if i continue as it is the company might stagnant. Be, all right it was just it'll be just like that like, for, for right so the person i sold it to was somebody with a lot of passion for it mm. Uh, they he was also providing advertising services, so it kind of mm. was complementary to his business. Yeah. So then I just said, okay, you know, I'll just sell it. I didn't sell it for a lot of money, but I knew that it was something that this person could take and grow. Mm. So I thought, yeah, okay, it was an opportunity, and he wanted it. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Two years after setting up the business. Wow. Yep. So um, from selling that first business, even though you know it's. It's probably a lot smaller than Infront Consulting from the sounds of it. Was there anything from that first experience that actually helped you when you know you were looking to sell Infront Consulting later on? Um, I guess one of the things that uh, it taught me was that um, uh, businesses don't have to be businesses don't have to start and end with the entrepreneur. Mm. And it taught me that you know what, uh, you know, to really just put ego aside uh, of, of, you know, having to be the founder of it and potentially growing it big, to really just perhaps let it go uh, to someone else's that can do that instead of ourselves. And it taught me also a very important lesson with regards to time. Mm. Uh, that we... Also. Well... Mm. I've learned, I learned that um, it taught me a lesson that we, we only have a very, what do you call it, a structured and finite uh, amount of time. Mm. Right? We all know the concept that time cannot be repeated, time cannot be returned and so on. Yeah. But what do we do with that time? Mm. So when I was doing that business, I spent a, li a little bit less time in my technology business and my mm. other business. At that time, I had three businesses already. Mm. So I realized that I had I was actually diluting my time. Yeah, of course. And when mm. I was diluting my time, three of the businesses was only okay. Yeah. They well. can't all be good because you can't dedicate yourself. Yeah. Mm. So so that was probably my biggest lesson. Mm. Mm. Okay. So um, 
I mean, for, for infant consulting, you have built it for a lot longer than the copywriting business. So, um, you know, when you say that um, putting the ego aside to understand that as a founder, um, you may not be the one to carry through, I guess, what you're saying is, uh, you know, the, the business to propel to a certain stage forever. Um, even having said that, because infant consulting is, is something that we've built for so many years, there must be you know, a stronger sense of attachment, right? Yeah, and, um, you know, love towards that company. So, you know, even when you you come to that sale, was was there any sort of like, you know, a sense of loss even or or conversely a sense of achievement when you manage to sell it in the end? Yeah. Uh, I think there's always a combination of everything that you've mentioned, right? Mm. Um, but uh, I think, to sell a company, it must be something that you think about. Mm. Uh, it's not something that happens, by the way. Not for everyone. Mm. Mm. Um, and it was like, when we, when we wanted to sell in front, it was something that we planned since 2018. And we gave ourselves okay. a five-year plan to sell, to sell the company. Mm. And we wanted to sell it for two reasons. One was that um, at that particular moment, uh, which we can talk about later, um, I had a calling to do something else. And right. it was something that I, I believed more strongly at than the, the technology company that I was running. Mm. Although I still was passionate about it. But I realized that um, once uh, the passion was slowly, slowly, not dying, but slowly, slowly transferring mm. to something else, um, the, the effort that you put into the company gets harder and harder mm, yeah right? so mm. um do i still have love for the company yes of course right yeah but understanding that the company is there which may possibly last longer than even me mm, and that goes mm. back to the same point earlier where i said about ego yeah so if if we remove ego out of the picture then we know that we we were there at the journey of the company for a specific time and that once our time perhaps is up, we have to release that time to somebody else mm. that can take that vehicle uh, forward as and well. And propel it to another level. To another yeah. level. Because that was where we were meant to be at that time. We were meant mm. to give birth to it, but then let it go. That actually sounds so philosophical, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and that's a very interesting perspective also, I think. Yeah, from, from what people would normally feel about selling a company. Yeah. And I think, sorry, I'll just add on a little bit. Mm. I think, I, I feel that, and I talk to a lot of business owners. Yeah. One of the weaknesses, okay, maybe weakness is not, not the right word to use, but one of the things that I feel business owners has to learn about is this understanding of detachment. From mm. The mm. I, I think we get so attached to the business, just like a human baby. And you know, you'll never obviously give a human baby up. Yeah. But we treat the business so much like a human baby that we so get so attached to it. And sometimes that attachment may be the start of a downfall. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Or even prevent you from selling the business, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And most of the time it's ego driven. Yeah. 
Yeah. So on that topic of like not holding on to the company and um not not treating it really like a human baby, right? So I have this hypothetical question. Um I I don't think the 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 buyer that you sold to is similar to to this scenario that I'm giving, but so hypothetically, okay. So say somebody wants to wants to buy um in front consulting for a huge sum of money. Okay, maybe it's the value is way more than what you had originally valued your company for. Okay, but say the buyer's values are very different from yours, right? Um, would you still have sold the company to this buyer and walk away with a huge sum of money, but knowing that the future direction of the company will not be aligned with what you would have in mind? Because some people, you know, their mindset, some people say that, you know, when you sold the company, what whatever happens after the sale is none of your business, right? Yeah, so so are you, do you agree with that mindset? And what's your view on it? Um, I think that's no right or wrong. Yeah. I feel that it's really depending on the values of the business owner. Mm. What, do you, what do you truly want from the sale? Mm. Uh, that is actually not a hypothetical question because that is an mm. actually a real scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. uh, when I sold the company, we had nine offers. Mm. And out of the nine offers, seven of them were public listed companies. Mm. Uh, and there were some of those companies which were actually offering us a higher value than the company that we chose. Mm. Uh, but I knew that uh, those companies were, the reason they were buying the company was because during the pandemic, a digital company was hot item. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Value, right? So yes. they knew that acquiring a digital company to be part of the portfolio would write would raise the 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 their stock market levels up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they had I knew they had no growth plans. I knew they had no visions, and I knew that they didn't have the capabilities to take the company further. Mm. So, uh, I when I started when I wanted to sell the company in twenty eighteen, I was very very clear. I wanted to find a partner or somebody that could acquire com the company that would benefit them, yeah, and would take the company even further, and it would help uh my team and my staff to be able to go on a even bigger journey, right? Than what I could have done for them. And this was always my promise to them when I first uh, started the company or when they, when they joined me. Mm. That one day, uh, I want to build you guys up so that you can take this journey on even further than even I can. Yeah, yeah. So it's very important to me that I found the right partner in that sense. Mm. But again, I'm going back to your question. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. If you want to sell it just to the highest bidder and not care about what happens next, uh, it really just depends on the values that you you believe in. Uh, mm, mm, yeah. So you you had so many offers and that was amazing, right? And um, so how did you go about So you said you started this process since 2018. So did you actually engage like a M&A broker to help you to, you know, keep a lookout for potential acquirers or did they find you? How was that process like? So um, I think I learned uh, from my first sale and also mm. talking to a couple of my, my good friends about, uh, about their experience selling companies. Mm. And when we, when we decided in 2018, uh, we, the first thing I did was to question ourselves. Who 
would potentially bias. Mm. And I think that having that uh, understanding of the who, which is similar like any business, we would need to understand who would be our potential customers and mm. who buy our products. Yeah. Same thing. So we, we, we look at what would be the potential buyer of our company. Mm. And one of the industries that we, we, um, we earmarked or we decided on was uh, telcos. Oh, okay. Because we realized that, um, and a lot of my other friends in other countries, in Europe and so on, and in Australia, they were already starting to be acquired um, as early as three to four years before that. Mm. So I knew that, uh, so I started to research the telco companies and why are they going to acquire technology companies. Mm. And I realized that uh, telcos, uh, you know, the charging model of telcos is going, is going down. Mm. I remember mm. in uh, like even in Singapore, you, you call somebody and the person that you call even had to pay for the call. Yeah. Right? Mm. Stuff like that, right? We had to mm. pay for every SMS. Then now every telco just charge a flat fee and you can use almost yeah. calls and so on, right? So, mm. so telcos needed to have a different revenue model and mm. technology was a very easy choice because mm. technology complemented uh, communications. Mm. So then... I asked myself, what would a telco want from us? So I mm. started to, to shape our business and shape our company towards what a telco would possibly want. Um, we started to develop uh, apps that would basically be able to take more of the communication channel of 4G and 5G. We started to build certain industry solutions for rural areas. Uh, like we started to conceptualize this idea of uh, building an uh, app that would improve chicken farming. For the rural oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so I knew that one of the pieces in that pie would be the, the, the mobile devices and the mobile lines. Mm. So I guess one of the things that we did at the start was this, right? Um, and then at the, the point when you decided you wanted to sell, you mean? Yes. Like from 2018 onwards, that's right. when you started preparing all of this. Right. Wow, and, okay. And, and this, this, was, this actually gave us a kind of a path and a guideline. Mm. So mm. We, didn't, we didn't hire any brokers at the start mm. right? because we were just in a mindset of shaping our companies for first. Right? Okay. Uh, we also started uh, making sure that uh, our books are clean. Yeah. Right? When I say books are clean, it means that um, we needed to be very, very structured with regards to our finances. Mm. So at the end of the day, I knew that when if a public listed company was to take over or acquire our company, uh, compliance would be the number one thing that they would look at. Mm. Uh, so things like uh, we needed to make sure that uh, our uh, there was no areas that we left out. We needed to make sure that we are profitable. Mm. Because I, if somebody wants to buy a company, nobody is going to buy a company which is not profitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we need to be able to share, show profit and as much as possible right? because that's, mm. that's, that's how we are measured. So yeah. it's times a multiplier. Mm. So uh, this, is, this meant, and I would say this is probably one, one advice I'll give anybody who's listening here is uh, uh, don't treat your bank account like your personal account. Yeah, yeah. Like, like what mm. most business owners will probably do because yeah. we feel that, hey, it's my company. Yeah, I can just use it. It's my bank account, yeah. Uh, revenue comes in is my money. So yeah. stop buying bags for your wife. <laughs> uh, mm. 
you know, cars for your husbands, uh, mm-hmm. you the, the company money and stuff like that. So it just yeah. has to be profitable. Uh. So that's mm. kind of how we shaped at the start. Uh. Mm. Yep. And then uh, slowly just making sure. And that's why we gave ourselves a five-year time frame. Mm. Wow, so it's actually quite a long-term plan when you decided to sell. It wasn't like, okay, today I'm looking to sell. You look for a broker tomorrow and then within, I don't know, one or two years, you find your buyer and so forth. Yeah. Because so there's a long process of planning. Mm. A long process also because we we had an idea of what, of of kind of what we wanted to sell at. Yeah. The amounts we wanted to sell and so on. And I and I felt that at that point in 2018, if we sold the company at that point, we were not going to get that valuation. Yeah, that you wanted. Mm. So, so we needed a structure mm. to be able to move mm. towards that. Yeah. So it was very intentional. Yeah. So did you guys then go about, you know, since you have your TA, your target audience in mind, did you then go about wooing these potential acquirers or? Yep. So in a mm. way, we uh, subtly kind of just let the industry know. Mm. Um, at that time also, most of the telcos in Malaysia was my customers. Oh, fantastic. Okay, perfect. It did work yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Kind of just slowly... Uh, uh, seed, yeah. uh, you know, seeded the message across. Yeah. Not, not, not loudly advertising it, but mm. kind of just prompting that, hey, you know what? Uh, we're looking. Yeah, we're exploring. Yeah. If you know anyone. Yeah. Mm. Cool. And, and so how did you value your company? And how would you know if the valuation was fair? Um, in, very interesting. So mm. I, I, I think number one was that um, like I mentioned earlier, a couple of my other friends which were operating similar businesses but in other countries uh, well, had already sold. Mm. Basically talking to them, understanding what were their multipliers, uh, how did they value their company uh, helped. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, we went to do some research on public listed companies. Mm. Public listed companies, the accounts are all open, right? And looked at what were their multipliers what were their market caps and their multipliers. So that helped. Um, and then lastly, we basically uh, asked our accountant. Mm. And our accountant basically just helped us to uh, explain what were, the, what were the different types of valuation methods and what would possibly be something that uh, most acquirers would look at. Mm. Uh, so just, just doing some research, uh, I... I we didn't hire a valuator. I'm, 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 I guess probably you would get faster answers by hire, hiring a valuator. Mm. I was just a cheapskate. I just didn't <laughs> want to pay for it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm somebody that just loves to learn. So I just wanted yeah. to just learn how to do it. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, what was something interesting was this. Um, so we, we, had, we had our valuation in mind and things like that. And when the day came that uh, we were being courted. Uh, mm-hmm. So before even a due diligence exercise happens, and this is something that, that, that was, is very new to me, we were asked by our acquirers, uh, actually, uh, how much do you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, no matter what valuation it is, mm. it doesn't matter, right? Mm. Whatever valuation is that you sell it at is just a number that we perceive that it is worth that much and it is something that is justifiable. Mm. 
So I, I realized later that the reason why our acquirers asked that was because obviously they had a budget. Yeah. And they just wanted to see whether they, it meets their budgets. Yeah. Right? As a first cut. And mm. if it meets the budgets, then then they say, okay, let's let's carry on. That, that yeah, let's carry on the conversation and don't waste anybody's time if right. you know your valuation is way above what they have in mind, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, mm. don't don't go over the moon and and just of value course. your company. <laughs> Hundred times more than what it is, lah. <laughs> no, but mm. if you feel so, I I call it the walk away number. Right? Mm. Means that if somebody just offered you the amount, mm. and even if it's lower than what, uh, what you thought it would be, what would it be? Yeah, you could just take it and just walk away. Yeah. Right? So I think all business owners need to have that number in mind. Yeah. It will help them guide their decisions. Mm. Right. Because sometimes mm. uh the 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 process of uh selling a company isn't that short or isn't that straightforward yeah can I be a very long friends. process especially with the due diligence right absolutely i know some friends yeah. take years sometimes yeah day. yeah so um other than devaluation on hindsight now that you've already sold two companies right would there have been any other way you would have structured it so there could have been more upside or you know other than valuation were there anything else that you wish you could have done or negotiated for Mm, not really. Uh, I think mm. we, I knew kind of what I wanted. Yeah. Um. Although I didn't get fully what I wanted, so I wanted a one hundred percent uh uh acquisition at the start. Mm. Uh, but none of mm. our buyers wanted that one hundred percent acquisition. Yeah. Uh. And and it's, it's it's rightfully so, right? Because mm. a lot or most of the acquirers that their offer was basically they they really needed somebody to um, stay on, stay on, and at, at mm. least transfer that information over. Yeah, right. Mm. Although I felt that there wasn't there wasn't a need for me anymore. Mm. Um. So so most of them offered a majority, uh, a majority buy. Yeah. Right, and then uh, the remaining buy will be probably after three to four years. Yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, what I wanted and I got was uh, a full settlement of that amount of the, the buy, the majority buy at the start. Mm. Um, I, I didn't want to earn up. Yeah. And I, that was something that I knew from the start. Yeah. So uh, earn up could be potentially more, but that wasn't what I wanted. Mm. Yeah. So I don't think there was anything else that probably I didn't get uh, from what I wanted in the deal. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I think probably the experience sharing from your friends and your research and all that helped you, you know, get the right figure in mind already. Yeah. So um, I, I, have, I have a question with regards to what you just said. But before that, um, so I was wondering, okay, so Infront Consulting is in the professional services industry. You obviously have some proprietary technologies and all that that your potential acquirer uh, or, or you know your acquirer was interested in so if somebody else is also in the professional services industry and um, let's say their business does not have you know pre predictability in terms of their uh, repeatability in terms of their revenue let's say it's very project-based you know, it could be a web development company or even like an interior design company. It's very project-based, right? Um, how viable do you think a company like that could be sold? 
how would you recommend for them to position or prepare themselves um, for that sale? Um, I feel that uh, if it's purely relying on professional services, um, the company needs to be a brand or rather it needs to be mm. able to be found. So mm. it needs to be at a state where um, companies go to them, go and, and find. It doesn't have to be like extremely, extremely famous, but it needs to be at a state where people already know who they Recognize are. Recognize the name. Yeah. All right. Or, mm. or uh, they have a, a very sizable database that whoever that's acquiring may want to tap onto that database. Mm. Or, or they may have a particular service or product that can tap onto the acquirer's database. Right? So uh, in our case, was the third one. Uh, we, so we have some recurring businesses in there and that, that was a draw. But I think the, re- the, the, the way that we shaped it was that uh, telcos had a huge database huge database of uh, customers. And we had products that could basically enhance or tap onto the database that they already have. So that was a big uh, draw Mm. for for them to acquire. Mm. But if a company just has professional services alone and it is not something which um, is, you know, they they cannot prove that, you know, they... Uh, they can get more business easily. It is. Mm. I feel that it's very hard for an investor yeah. or an acquirer to, to be attracted to that. Yeah. Because, the day, because there's no guarantee that this business will still continue to be viable, right? Correct. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, mm. at the end of the day, we have to realize that uh, it's an investment that goes in yeah. which the acquirer will need to recover back at yeah. least, right? At least recover back that. So in any investment, there must be a return on that investment. Mm. So there must be a justification or proof that the return can be. And it can't be just that, don't worry, you know, I can get it done. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's going to... It can't be based on your words, right? Yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. So going back to that earlier point, um, you were talking about how your acquirer wanted you to stay on and basically do that handover for a couple of years, right? What was that like for you? Transitioning from a CEO to almost as though you're like the employee of the new owner, right? So yeah, from a boss to an employee, was that an easy transition or was that difficult? Yeah. Uh, it was very tough for me. Mm. Uh, mm. It is something that I didn't expect. Yeah. But um, in the end, I feel that um, it was a tough journey because I'm not sure if it applies to everybody. Yeah. But for me, my biggest um, attraction of being an entrepreneur is the control of time. Mm. And not having that control of time anymore, uh, just it's just like cutting one leg, you know, cutting off one leg, one leg of mine and I'm just, I'm limping. Yeah. I can get through, you know, I can, I can, you know, walk to the next uh, stop, but then it's slow and it's frustrating. Yeah. Um. And I and I and I could not get my mind out of the, the understanding that uh now I had to report to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, what, I was wondering whatever, about that. Yeah. Right, whatever that I wanted to make a decision, I could some there were some decisions that I could not make. Yeah. I had to wait for a decision to come. And it's very frustrating because I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um 
um, because now we were part of a larger company, mm. and rightfully so, right? The, there, there are more processes, and it takes the processes take a longer time. Mm. Mm. When I was just running the company, you know, I can be the one that just make the decision. Yeah, just yes, go, go ahead, or no, we are not going to do this. Yeah. And, mm. and but now it has to probably go through three to four processes. The red tape, right? Yeah. Uh, get approved, right? And there were a couple of times where we actually uh, did not meet uh, a deadline of a, a tender um, uh, application, right? A tender submission, sorry. Because of the delay of the processes. Because of the delay. Oh, man. Okay. So, um, again, it's not, it's not blaming the process because it mm. is a process. Right? Yeah. Step or reason. Mm. But uh, it was frustrating for me. Mm. Right? And I just couldn't accept it. That's mm. it. So I guess if you are if you are prepared for it and you if you are if you can shift your mindset towards uh not having to being 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 in the position not to have to make all decisions yourself uh and being uh a with, with a follower mindset in that sense, mm. then I guess it's okay. But for mm. me for me it isn't. I, I'm just a rebel by nature, I guess. Mm. Okay, that's awesome. And and what would be your advice for someone who is looking to sell their business? What would be some of the key things you would advise them to look out for? I think you mentioned a few earlier. Yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, right? Uh, mm. knowing who you you want to sell to will definitely help a lot. Mm. Uh, because it will create a path for you. Yeah. And rather than just stabbing the duck, right? You don't know you don't know where to mm. go and uh, yeah. find sell to. Second is I, I mentioned this uh, to make sure that you are, your books are clean mm. um, because it will shorten the due diligence process a lot. Mm. Back when we went through the due diligence process, uh, the, the auditors and the hired lawyers that was hired by the acquirers to come and do the due diligence on us actually mm. commented that you know, we are one of the fastest due diligence process because wow. we, we, were so, we were so clean. Mm. Uh, and it was all answers were there yeah there were nothing there was very little uh, other than a couple of uh, receipts that were in question and things like that but <laughs> everything else was just was, was very very okay good mm. and that also showed our acquirers that give we, them confidence uh, right yeah. right we were a trustable mm. company that's yeah it. especially mm. that they were a public listed company mm. I guess the third one I would say uh, an advice is to uh, if possible don't negotiate or do the acquisition yourself. Mm. Uh, get a lawyer to help you. Get a friend who's a lawyer to help you. Two things you'll benefit from that. One is that uh, you will not let emotions get in the way. Yeah. Because um, somebody else is doing the negotiations for you. Yeah. And second, it will help you with regards to the contracts and the documentations. Mm. I've mm. seen many friends got bitten before where they just signed the uh, agreements and not really understanding what they've signed. Um, and, you know, it, it, it bites them back a couple of years later when they suddenly found that they could not uh, get their earnouts. And oh, wow. Not mm. uh, being manipulated and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And all the years of work down the drain, basically. Yeah. So don't don't uh 
don't uh, save money on a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. That's money that needed to be spent. <laughs> yeah. And say somebody has already, you know, the, the deal has already gone through, maybe they are in their earn-out phase and all that. Um, and you have already sold two of your businesses, you have already exited them officially. How would you recommend these people, you know, prepare themselves for life post-exit, perhaps mm. mentally or emotionally? Mm. Uh, like I said earlier, I think I think one is that uh, you, I guess, well, keep your eyes on the price. Lah. If it's mm. an earnout that you're, you're doing, uh, then if it's important for you to have that earnout, then just block everything aside and just focus your attention on that, right? Mm. It's definitely not going to be easy, mm. right? Uh, especially if you feel that uh, things today must be like how it used to be. Mm. Right, uh, it's it's never gonna be, it's never gonna happen. Mm. Uh, for me also, it didn't happen, and I and especially it really depends, I guess, who you sell it to. Uh, for us, because we sold it to a larger company and a public listed company, the people that I reported to wasn't the entrepreneur, wasn't the founder, wasn't the business owner. They were all the they were all hired professionals. So they were not the same people that you spoke to. No. during the negotiation process. So you've never met them pretty no. much. Wow. Okay. Right. So, yeah. Um, mm. And like it or not, these, the people mm. that I report to, uh, because they're hired professionals, they may change throughout the years. Mm. Somebody mm. you talk to today is not going to be the same person that you talk to maybe even next year. Mm. Um, so that journey is going to be challenging because it may reset itself every single time somebody new comes in and you 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 have to deal with the new person so uh just understanding that mindset of if you're earning out keep your eyes on the price um and that you're helping somebody to recover back their investment mm. right mm. and because of that your reward is that you will get the earn out in return mm. right uh, for me it was different for me i didn't have an earn out so i guess i didn't have that motivation to stick around and uh, you know, tahan all the bullshit or whatever that I was going yeah. during that time, right? Uh, so uh, I I was supposed to serve for three years, but I didn't, right? Mm. So uh, I exited the company after almost two years, almost uh, about a year and a, one year and about eight to nine months. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You are you are very keen to move on to the next chapter that you you already started, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And I always always believe that uh, things happen for a reason. Mm. Uh, I can't really question it. And uh, you know, the, the reason for the for the, the request to exit early was also done for a reason. And mm. it's probably so that I can focus on what I'm supposed to be doing uh, uh, moving forward, right? Mm. Rather than rather than uh, sticking on and I'm not contributing and I'm frustrated. Uh, and, and stuff like that. Mm. Okay, cool. And um, so you you are launching a podcast mm. uh, on faith-based uh, entrepreneurs since we're on the topic of your next chapter, right? So here's my last question on the topic of being an entrepreneur who's a Christian. Would you be able to share one story of how God was very real and present in your business journey so far? Wow. Uh, I think that deserves probably another yeah, <laughs> an episode in itself. <laughs> but um, I think multiple areas, right? I think, mm. I think 
the first most significant one was um uh through every challenge that I faced, right? Mm. Uh somehow certain certain things gets sorted itself out. And I don't know how to explain it other than it's an act of God, right? Mm. Um in 2010, my business almost collapsed, right? Uh almost went bankrupt. Mm. But there was a person that was that suddenly appeared during that journey. And and that person um, just asked me or tried to took me through a journey of gratefulness in the mm. midst of chaos. And just that single act alone helped me to recover back uh, my business. Mm. Um, so many, many other challenging situations as well. And I realized that when every time that challenge happens, uh, you know, in the past, I, I would think that I don't deserve even a prayer. Right? I don't deserve to even pray to ask for it because I, I, I caused that situation or it was my oh. choice that, this, that mm. situation happened. Right? Mm. But then when I learned that um, you know, no matter what happens in good or bad times to basically just look up and just pray and ask for, for his guidance, it taught me that uh, it taught me how to surrender outcomes. Mm. Uh, surrender outcomes because actually the outcomes really are not in our control. It's not up to you, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So we mm. are all vehicles. We are placed there. Uh, we were asked, we were, we were being placed to start this company and do this and learn that and take this challenge. And although we are supposed to do our best, but the outcome really is we should be surrendering that outcome and then let God uh, decide or even sometimes fight the battle for us. Mm. So, um, even in this journey that I'm going on with uh, with Owner Circle mm. and uh, really impacting uh, business owners um, and how I was called to do this back in 2018, it was really it was really mind blowing in that sense. Mm. And when I trusted him that this was a journey because it's an education company, and I can tell you honestly, Rina, that. Um, I would never in my life uh, thought that I would be running an education company because mm. this was a type of company that I never wanted to do. Mm. Because in the many businesses that I've done, I know that education is a business that is very hard to scale. Mm, yeah. So mm. from a business standpoint alone, I would say no. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I was really going, oh God, why, why do you ask me to do this? Do I really have to? <laughs> Do I really have to? And all that. Um, and I think the process of learning to trust mm. really, I, I, I can't tell you how amazing the journey has been. It's just people are being brought to me. Um, you know, people calls me up. And, and I, it's not like I've, I've been doing training for my entire life, right? It's not like I've been teaching for my entire life. I've just started in 2018, which was, which was probably about five years ago, four to five years mm. ago. And and just just that success when you when you trust, uh, it's something that I felt was really the act of God that um, um, that that will lift all stress and burden from you if you learn how to surrender and trust. Mm -hmm. It's very freeing when you just leave the outcome to Him and trust that He knows what He's doing, even when things are a mess. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. Even even the so our faith faith podcast uh, faith faith based entrepreneurship podcast is going to be called Reason. Mm. 
All right. And the person I'm doing with is a very, very famous uh, radio host in Malaysia. And just, you know, I would never dream of hosting this podcast with her because she's like ultra famous, right? And just the fact that, you know, he chose her to be brought to, to this, to do this. And the fact that she was also a Christian and the fact that we were, we were, we were actually, some, a friend tried to connect us together many years ago. Mm. Seven, eight years ago, but it didn't happen. Mm. Uh, but this time when it did, uh, this, this podcast uh, is the birth of it. Mm. So, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what else to tell you that uh, you just have well, to Well, it's, it's his time, right? So he knows that now is the right time. Yeah. Right. And no matter I'm looking how, forward to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how you feel that it's not the right time for you, it is the right time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, for our listeners that's tuning in, how can they find you? Perhaps share your social media handle. Um, and the, the podcast is going to be called Risen. So can you find it on Spotify? or? So we're not launching yet. Uh, yeah. We're going to be launching uh, very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually, we're going to be launching uh, on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not sure when this podcast will be aired. Yeah. Uh, but um, just just go on my Instagram handle is the Ray Chow T H E R A Y C H O U. I'm sure I'll be advertising it on my Instagram. Uh, so stay tuned. All right, thank you very much, uh, Ray. Once again for spending time with me, I've learned a lot from your sharing. Thank you so much, Rina, and uh, all the best to thank you you and your other guests. Thanks very much. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have, please consider hitting subscribe and leave a review on Spotify and share with anyone whom you think might find this useful. I would also love to hear from you. Do let me know what are some of your key takeaways from this episode. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions on what you would like to hear on this podcast, do let me know as well. I look forward to learning and growing with you through this podcast. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.